Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. We are in Matthew chapter 15 in our Bibles. You guys okay? Matthew chapter 15 in our Bibles. And we are working through a series I have titled Jesus Worldview. Jesus Worldview. And um, this has been a wonderful series because, again, more than ever before, we have so many ideas and views going around and really... People have become a lot more vocal about opinions and ideas. Before it was like, we don't talk politics, we don't talk religion, we don't talk about personal things, and now it just seems like it's, it's everywhere. I mean, it's just like people talk about these things, and really, maybe you felt it as much as I did, it, it caused a little bit of anxiety and, and stress and trying to figure out like, man, what, what do I believe and where do I stand? And there are all these issues coming at me that I really can't seem to navigate. It's taking a lot of uh, time to figure these things out. And so uh, we launched a series, Jesus Worldview, to get back to the worldview of the Lord Jesus and our God. What has he said? What are his views? What are his ideas? That's what I want to know. That's what I want to understand in the end. It's so important that we figure out what God's view is first before we figure out what man's view is. I'm telling you, at the end of the day, I've seen so many different views come and go. And it doesn't matter really uh, how long um, you live. I think that uh, over time, over seasons, you find yourself changing your mind on a lot of things. But some of the things I've never changed my mind on are the things that seem to have hold true over the last two decades of my life, uh, really from stepping in from my teenage years into my years now, is the Word of God never changed. And while I'm, my views may fluctuate here and there, it's very, very minimal in the text because the Word says what it means and means what it says. And seems to be a timeless truth to a thousand generations. Isn't that amazing? We need it. Our kids need it. Our grandchildren need it. And our society needs the Word of God. We are in Matthew chapter 15 in our Bibles. We're going to cover verses 21 to 39 today. This is sermon number 64 through the book of Matthew. And the title of the message is, The Gospel is for Everyone. The Gospel is for Everyone. In our society today, I think what has happened is we have these chasms and divides and even groups of people that have developed and are developing. And really, this has been going on for thousands of years. But more than ever before, there seems to be lines drawn in the sand and we start to divide one another and it's happening more than ever. And oftentimes, even as Christians, I'll admit even in myself, in my own heart, there have been times when I had never thought to think that the gospel might be for that person that I don't like. That person that I don't agree with. That person that is my enemy. Could there be people in our hearts that we would say, God, I hope that you never save them. 
Lord, I hope they never hear the gospel and repent. Do you remember Jonah? Jonah literally prayed this prayer. God's like, Jonah, my man, get over here. Yeah? I want you to go to Nineveh. What? The Assyrians? I'm not going there. Yes, I want you to go there. And I want you to preach the message to them. He said, I'm not going there. Those guys that cut people's heads off and cut out their tongues and throw them into piles and scalp them. You know, I'm not going to those people. They hate us. They absolutely hate us. Yes, go to those people and minister to them. Jonah said these exact words. Are you ready? He said, if I go to them, you might save them. So I'm going to want to preach to them. So you remember what he did? He went and bought a ticket for a cruise. <laughs> and he got on, he paid like 2,000 bucks. And he got on a cruise and he sailed in the opposite direction. He got on his cruise, he got his buffet going. He said, we're going to Spain, baby. That's where he wanted to go. Tarshish. He went to Spain, he was on his way to Spain. And what happened? That storm showed up and God said, no, you're going to the people that you don't want to go to. To minister my good news. I don't know who it is that you don't want to be saved. I don't know who it is that you think may never be saved. I don't know who it is that you think may be the furthest from the gospel, but I'm telling you that God may have placed you in certain places to be able to minister and shine and love and serve in such a way that their lives would be changed. And do you remember after God saved all of Nineveh, Jonah went under the tree and he started crying. Why? Because he was blown away by God's grace that he saved the wicked nation? No! <laughs> he was crying because God saved him and he didn't want him to save him. See, I knew that you were a gracious and king, king and good God. I knew you were going to save them. That's why I didn't want to go. Wow. Could God be doing that Today, who are the people in LA that maybe we think God could never save? Let me ask you, church, the people who walk through these doors, who are just seeking for God, hoping that someone smiles at them, hoping that someone says, welcome, come on in, we're happy you're here. You don't know their past, you don't know where they came from, you don't know what they're working through. But we are to be a people that are open to the idea that God might be saving even that person. And I hope that this text before us breaks that hope in us. Are you ready? Matthew chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 21. Can we stand for the reading of God's word? We always stand for the reading of God's word to pay honor to him. Remember whose word we're reading his word can alone change you, church, not my words. I can motivate and encourage a little bit, but I cannot change you. Only God's word can change you, and so let it wash over you. Let it minister to you. Let it speak to you. Open your ears. Open your eyes. Open your heart to God's word and let him minister. Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 21. Take a look. It says, and going away from there, Jesus withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord. Son of David, my daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. 
And his disciples came and were pleading with him, saying, send her away. She keeps shouting at us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and was bowing down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. And departing from there, Jesus went along the Sea of Galilee. And having gone up on the mountain, he was sitting there. And a large crowd came to him, bringing with him those who were lame, crippled, blind, mute, and many others. And they laid them down at his feet, and he healed them. So the crowd marveled as they saw the mute speaking, the crippled restored, and the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for this story. And we ask now, please, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you change our hearts, would you change our minds, would you change our views to align with you? Break open us in the places in which we are hard, in the places, places which we need to see your grace and your mercy and your love, your peace. Use this text for your glory as we look at it now. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Look at verse 21 again in our text. It says, going away from there, Jesus withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. You see that? Remember where our story picks up from last week? The Lord had just, had just gone down and had a conversation in the Galilee. Do you remember with who? The scribes and the Pharisees. And they were challenging him on why his disciples didn't wash their hands before meals. Do you remember? And Jesus took them to school on the Old Testament law and how they made up their own rules and traditions that God never said and placed them on others. They didn't realize their traditions of hand washing didn't wash their sins away, but only the blood of the Lamb of God could do that. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So Jesus left the Galilee after that conversation and he traveled 65 miles to Sidon. The, the region of Tyre and Sidon, 65 miles away from where he was. And that's a long walk away now, isn't it? Anybody ever walk 65 miles? I mean, even riding a donkey, that's pretty far. But this city of Sidon and Tyre is a city full of non-Jews. It's a non-Jewish culture. Not a place that Jews would go to. And if you didn't know, Jesus was Jewish. Fully Jewish. Raised in Jewish culture with Jewish blood. And so a Jewish person would have no business being in that town. But the Lord made the 65-mile journey to go and love and serve the people of this town. He had some divine appointments. He went to the place that no one would go. Even his disciples were probably like, Lord, what are we doing going over here? I want to say this up front because I think it's important. The gospel and the work of the Lord Jesus is for everyone, not just Jews, not just religious people. The gospel is for everyone. 
Even the person you don't like, even the group of people you don't like, even the people with ideas you disagree with, the gospel is for them too. And sadly, most people don't, if they don't like a specific group, they'll never go to them and preach the gospel to them, and that's a problem. Jesus goes where no one will go, praise God, huh? Jesus speaks to the crowd everyone doesn't want to speak to or talk with. He travels 65 miles to go speak to this group of Gentiles. Take a look at verse 22. Look what happens. And behold, who comes up to him? A Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. A Canaanite woman. You see, the Canaanites were always seen as enemies of God in the Old Testament. The people of Israel were told never to marry a Canaanite woman. Never. All the way back to the Exodus, they were at war with Israel. So the Jewish people saw them as enemies, people who didn't like them, and people they didn't like. But Jesus places himself right in the middle of the Jewish enemy. I love this. He just walks in to the Jewish camp. I mean, sorry, the Jewish enemy's camp. Right in the middle of the Canaanite people. And this girl comes up and says this. Point number one, if you're taking notes, God shows no partiality. Did you know that? God shows no partiality. He's a respecter of no one. Did you know that? And again, a lesson for us, God is ready and willing to save those you would never save. Those I would never save. That's how gracious he is. And do you know what? Check this out. To someone else, you might be that person they would never want to be saved. No, not me. Absolutely not. Maybe someone you have treated badly or had a fallout with, they probably would want, wouldn't want you to be saved by God. But guess what? He is gracious, and he has saved you. The gospel is for everyone. Amen? James 2.1 says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. James 2.9, But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are conv convicted by the law as transgressors. Romans 2.11, for God shows no partiality. Even Leviticus, the Old Testament law, Leviticus 19.15, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or to the greater. But in righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor correctly. Acts 10.34, Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him in any nation on the planet. Did you know that? Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for all are one in Christ. Deuteronomy 10.17, one more. Is that Okay. For the Lord your God is a God of gods, the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. You can't bribe him. Isn't that great? You're like, Lord, let's uh, make sure that person doesn't get into heaven. I got a 20 for you. <laughs> the Lord's like, that's cute. 
Guess what? If God was partial towards people, you would never get into heaven. Me either. Nobody gets in. He's not partial. He's gracious. He's not fair. He's merciful. If God was fair with me, I wouldn't make it. If God was fair, he's not being fair. He's actually being merciful and gracious and kind and sacrificial. He is a good king, isn't he? So this, this is pretty radical what the Lord is doing. This Canaanite woman, not, not a man even. She's a Canaanite woman as well in that culture, in that time, to make matters worse and more awkward in that culture, a non-Jewish enemy of the Jews woman comes up yelling to Jesus, saying, have mercy on me. Lord, she cries, son of David, my daughter is demon-possessed. She uses the word cruelly here. It's cruelly demon-possessed. This woman must have heard about Jesus somehow. She's 65 miles away from where he's doing miracles, but somehow she must have heard the stories of the Lord, his miracles, him being the Messiah. He traveled 65 miles and spread, went right into this non-Jewish Gentile community. His stories, his miracles, and this woman, think through her story with me, please. Think through her story with me. Who knows how, but one day she recognizes her daughter is demon-possessed. Side note, the fact that people can identify demon possession back in that day and diagnose it, but we can't in this day, says something. We are so far disconnected from the spiritual, we're dumb spiritually. Even Christians are nervous to diagnose someone as demon-possessed, but this woman could see her daughter was, and she declared it in public. Maybe some of you moms with toddlers thinks your kids are demon-possessed. <laughs> He's definitely demon-possessed. I've seen him. He destroys everything. <laughs> they probably aren't. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I had to. Come on. But this woman knew. And the day she realized it, she must have been so overwhelmed and broken. She took her daughter to the doctor in town, but they couldn't solve the problem. They couldn't heal her. She took her daughter to these appointments, and after she would just go home from these appointments and just weep and cry and watch her daughter suffer Watch her daughter tear apart the house, be violent, say dark, wicked things. And she would just cry. She just wanted to save her daughter. She was broken, a desperate mother, overwhelmed. And so when she heard that Jesus, the miracle worker, the doctor of all doctors was in town, she heard the stories about him healing the sick and casting out demons. Though many didn't believe, she didn't care. She was desperate. She ran to him as fast as she could, and she started crying out to him, yelling, Have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. Son of David, my daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. Have mercy on me, please. My daughter, please help her. Her language and her use of titles is absolutely awesome. She says, Have mercy on me, Lord. 
The title she is giving, belief and authority in him. She calls him the son of David, which is a Jewish term. The Canaanite woman uses a Jewish term to call him Messiah. Messiah, Savior, Savior of Israel. I know I'm a Canaanite, save me, help me. I know I'm not Jewish or religious, but please have mercy on me, great king. Verse 23, take a look. The text says, but he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and were pleading with him saying, Lord, send her away because she keeps shouting at us. The Lord didn't say anything. I wonder what he was doing. He was, I think he was allowing her cry to grow louder and louder and louder so it would draw a crowd. A Gentile begging the so-called Jewish Messiah for help. Was it to make an impact, impactful statement to his disciples? Oh, I bet it was. One they would never forget. This Gentile woman is screaming and crying in the middle of a pagan town for help. What would the Lord do? He would stay quiet and let the tension build. Just let it get louder and louder and louder. And everybody in the market is looking over. What in the world's going on? The disciples are like, Lord, this is awkward. What are you doing? Send her away. It's one of the disciples' favorite phrases. <laughs> Send them away. <laughs> if you came to Jesus' church and the disciples were there, he would just say, send them away. The disciples got to a point where they couldn't take it anymore, and they came and were pleading with them, please send her away. She keeps shouting at us. She was pleading with Jesus to have mercy, and they were pleading to send her away. Hilarious. Lord, please send this Gentile woman away. We don't have time for this non-Jew. And she doesn't like us. And I can tell by the way she's looking at us, she's annoying, and she didn't even grow up in the church. And look at how she dresses and the way she handles herself. She's that loud girl drawing a crowd, and she's making a fool of us. Please just ignore her, walk away, act like she's not there. Let's ghost her. Look at Jesus' response, verse 24. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So Jesus doubles down, watch this, an important point. He doubles down to strengthen the disciples' heart in the wrong direction, setting them up. He was setting them up to be challenged in the deepest way. He says, yeah, that's right. I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And they're like, yes, exactly. Jews only, you out. Only our kind, only our people, only our tribe, only our culture, only our town, only the people I like now out. Thanks, Lord, for reaffirming our right ideas in our heart. I knew we were right. See, John, John, Judas, see, good, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord was setting them up for a bomb. Verse 25, look it. But when she came and was bowing down before him, saying, Lord, help me. Help me. Please. Please help me. I know your guys don't want me here. I know 
The crowd's looking at me, but please, I'm begging you, please, please help me. The persistence of this woman is incredible. The disciples giving her a bad look. The Lord giving her the silent treatment, but she didn't care. She knew who Jesus was. She knew he was the Lord. She knew he was the Messiah. And she knew he alone could heal her daughter. Alone. No one else. This was her only chance, and she wasn't going to miss it for anything. She was not going to miss it for the world. She didn't care about the embarrassment. She came and bowed at his feet and grabbed his feet and started begging him. She needed the Lord. Please, God. Please, Lord. Please, Jesus. Please. I need my daughter to be healed. Please have mercy on me. Look what Jesus says, verse 26. He answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. What? On the surface, this seems like an insult, but it's not. In our English, it's, it sounds like an insult, but it's not. It is an accurate statement of how the Jewish nation of that day saw Gentiles, and probably an accurate way religious Jews see Gentiles to this day. Did you know that? In Jesus' statement, he says, basically, it's not good to take the food for the, from the children and give it to the house family dog. This is not referring to some wild, aggressive, stray dog. The term Jesus uses is house dog. And the point he is making is the bread is for the house of Israel, the children of God, God's people. It's not for the house dog, though everyone in the family loves him. Feed the children with the bread. Give the dogs dog food. This is what dogs eat. She understood what he was saying, and the disciples loved it even more because it strengthened their position even more. Yes, you're right, Lord. See, the bread is for us. The Ten Commandments came to us. The law came to us. Moses came to us. David came to us. The Jewish people, Israel, and we are God's people, and the bread is for us. So, you know, we would love to give some bread away, but it's really it's for the children. I remember when I was living in Israel, the rabbis on the streets would have people come to pray. They literally would stand there with the phylacteries on their forehead and the uh, leather wrapped around their, uh, their hands. Any, anyone raised Jewish in here? Close to Jewish family? Anyone? Oh, oh yeah, okay, great. In the back, yes. Maybe, maybe you've seen this or you know this, so you understand it. But they, what, what happens is on the streets, uh, they will ask people to come and pray. And the rabbis will be standing there, come pray, come pray, come pray, come pray, come pray. So um, sometimes I would walk up to them just to see what they'd say. And I'd walk up and they'd be like, yes, come play, come, come pray. Because they think I'm Jewish. And they start speaking Hebrew to me. And I'd be like, oh, I don't speak Hebrew. Oh, are you Jewish? Oh, no. Okay, no, okay, bye. And they would walk away. Because they are not there to evangelize the world. They're there to call Jews and the Israeli Jewish people back to their God. They're not interested in evangelizing the rest of the world. This is the idea. This is the entire way that it was built. The Old Testament was built this way. God said, you're to be set apart from the rest of the world, but you are to be a beacon of light to the whole world. Nations will be drawn to you, but you will not go to them. And that is the way God set it up in the Old Testament. But when Jesus came, he broke down all of the walls and said, go and make disciples of what? All nations. 
Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I commanded you. And Jesus is breaking down the walls right now and spreading the kingdom like you would not believe. He's opening the minds of the disciples. The bread is for the children only, not the house dogs. The disciples were like, great picture, Lord. Man, that parable was powerful. I love the point that you just made. Sorry, lady, we can't give you bread. Can't give bread for the dogs. It's for the children only. Then as she was bowing before him, she looks up with tears in her eyes and a smile and says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Touche. But Lord, I know the bread is for the children, but even the dogs get the crumbs that fall off the table from the children dropping their food. Master, can I have some crumbs? Please, just a few crumbs. I don't need much, just a few crumbs. Have mercy on me, please. Please, Lord. Jesus looks down at her and begins to smile like you cannot imagine. He's glowing with a twinkle in his eye. I think his heart, in his heart, he says, I praise God for you. Because look at what he says to her. Verse 28. Then Jesus answered her and said, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Magic. Amazing. Her persistence, her faith, her dependence, her love for her daughter drove her. She knew Jesus was the one, the Lord, the Master, the Messiah. She believed in him alone, and he healed. He blessed her. And this is what it takes to be saved, church, right here. Full dependence on the Lord Jesus. John 15, 7, Jesus said this, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This woman had fully believed on Jesus and who he was and what he could do before he even got to town. But she took steps of faith to prove it, to get to Jesus. Look at the hurdles she had to jump over to get to Jesus. She had to jump over her pagan culture, her tribe, she was embarrassing herself, her being a woman running up to a group of Jewish men, her crazy ask of healing her demon-possessed daughter in front of everybody, a Canaanite woman calling him the Messiah, a Jewish term, shouting to get his attention, the disciples trying to stop her, Jesus even not answering her at first, all of this drove her to deeper and deeper trust in the Lord of alone, alone and being dependent on him alone. What drove her over all these hurdles was one simple word. Watch this. Her faith. She believed him, and that was enough. She knew that no doctor in the city could take care of this. She knew no physician in the world could take care of this. She knew no one could do what Jesus could do. So she said, that's it. There he is. 
He alone can do this, she believed, and she pursued it with all her heart, and it happened. I'm telling you, church, that that is where the magic is at. Point number two, if you're taking notes, faith alone in Jesus will save you. Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please him forever. Would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I'm telling you, if the reward isn't there that we're looking for, that we're seeking for, it must be because we are not seeking him. Because as we seek him, he rewards those who diligently seek him. And I want to ask you this question in your life, where is the step of faith that God is calling you to? What is he calling you to step out in? What is he calling you into obedience? What is Christ asking you? Look at all the hurdles that he allowed to be set up in front of this woman, and she jumped them all. She jumped them all, and the Lord met her. And I love the resistance all the way up. I love that he lets the disciples build in this. I love that he lets all that chaos build because it deepens her faith. And we've talked about this before. Could those storms in your life, could that tribulation in your life be deepening your faith to become more dependent on him so that you beg and cry out to him even more? Then we get to a place on our knees and we say, God, please, please, please help me. Save me. You alone can do this. I've tried everything else and it doesn't work. The Lord is looking for one simple thing in all of us. Belief in what he has said to do. Jesus, it would ask you this question today. Do you believe me? If the answer is yes, take steps of faith and show me. But what will the crowd think? What will my family think? What will my friends think? What will my job think? What will my tribe think? Hey, family, maybe they might see the magic. For this woman did. She ran in begging Jesus for help and walked out victorious. She put it all on the line and she walked out the winner. And her daughter was healed, praise God, of the demon possession forever. And the mother could now sleep at night because her faith, her full faith was in Jesus. She could be at, at rest. The Lord saved her in this moment and saved her daughter. And church, I want to tell you, this is what happens when you place your full faith in Jesus. doesn't matter where you came from or what status or lack thereof you have. The gospel is for everyone, and I mean everyone. Faith alone in Jesus will save you. And that's the beauty of L.A. is we are literally preaching to everyone. This city magically touches the world. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Maybe you need to hear this one today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Amen? These final two passages here are a bit... Um, Tighter in the story, we're just going to take a couple points from them. Let's take a look at verse 29 and see what he does after this. It says, After Jesus departed from there, he went along by the Sea of Galilee, and having gone up on the mountain, he was sitting there. And a large crowd came to him, bringing with them those who were lame, crippled, blind, mute, and many others. And they laid him at his feet, and he healed them 
Verse 31, so the crowds marveled as they saw the mute speaking, the crippled restored, and the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Jesus goes up on the mountain to rest, and thousands of people show up asking to be healed. And it says he heals them all. And do you know who these people were? Gentiles. Non-Jews. All the non-Jews he spends time with, he blesses them, he heals them. The disciples' jaws must have hit the ground. Like, wait a minute, is Jesus going to ministry in the Gentiles now? What's going on here? I thought we were about our tribe. Point number three, if you're taking notes, don't forget God heals all kinds of people. I want to remind you again of the power of God. We can go to him and ask for healing and he will heal. Did you know that? He heals when he wants to. We don't get to determine if he heals or doesn't heal, but why wouldn't we ask anyways? Why wouldn't you ask somebody who can actually do it? And they're like, well, I don't want to ask because God's probably not going to do it anyways. How did we get that mindset? We have not because we ask not many times. Why wouldn't we ask in perseverance and in pure faith that God would heal us? Is God still healing today? Oh, yeah. I think oftentimes we don't depend on God in this day because we can depend on our society for everything. Literally in this culture. But do you know there are parts of the world where they don't have everything they need? Do you know that? Some people may not have food. They literally got to get down on their knees and beg God, Lord, please provide a meal for us today. Or maybe they'll never get the medicine or the doctor's appointment they need in other parts of the, the world, and so they have to beg God to heal them. Jeremiah 17, 14, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. James 5, 14, is anyone sick among you? James said, the apostle James, let him call for the elders of church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. James says to the church, hey, is anybody sick among you? Let them come before the elders of the church. Let's lay hands on the person. Let's anoint them with oil and let's pray asking that God would heal. Now, God can heal if he wants to. That's up to him. All we are to do is ask and to seek him for it. It's very important. Matthew, the author, is displaying once again to the reader that God is not partial. He heals all people, not just specific people and nations. He heals anyone who will come to him. Do you remember, do you remember Nathan, the prophet, coming and ministering to different people. He ministered to David, and he healed, obviously, the one who was a part, a king in God's circle in his family in Israel. But do you remember who he also healed? I believe it was Naaman, the king who had leprosy, an enemy of God, and he goes to him, and he ministers to him. He sends a prophet to tell him, this girl, go and dip yourself in the water seven times, and you will be healed. And he says, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to that dirty water to go dip myself. But he ends up being completely desperate, and he goes and dips himself in the water, and God ends up healing him. Could it be that God would heal even an enemy of his own people? Yes, 
The gospel is for everyone. God heals all kinds of people, and we should be willing to help heal all kinds of people, not just people who are like us. One final point here in our text, take a look at verse 32. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel compassion for the crowd. I feel for these people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat, and I do not want to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Verse 33, and the disciples said to him, where would we get so many loaves in this desolate place to satisfy such a crowd? And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few small fish. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks. He broke them and kept giving them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, seven large baskets full. And those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And sending away the crowds, Jesus got into the boat and came to the region of Magadan. And that is where our text ends. We've seen this story before, huh? Remember this? This is two weeks ago. If you want to hear me preach the feeding of the 5,000, go to our YouTube channel. You can look up the sermon called Bring It to God. But this is the feeding of the 4,000, not the 5,000. And the disciples didn't say in the text, I don't know if you noticed, send the people away to get dinner this time. They, they didn't say that. But they did say, how are we going to feed these people again? Classic. They forget, like the Lord just multiplied the bread and fish. You think they must have learned by now. But the major difference in this story and the reason that Matthew is writing this down, it almost sounds redundant. Why would he do this? The main reason and the major difference in this story, Jesus, is, or Matthew is writing this down, is because Jesus is feeding Gentiles now, not Jews. He fed Jews and that in the Galilee area, and now he is feeding Gentiles. Interesting. He is providing for and taking care of those the Jews would not associate with the Canaanite people. And the final point I want to make is, point number four, if you're taking notes, God provides for all kinds of people, not just us. He heals all kinds of people. He provides for all kinds of people. And the gospel is for everyone. Second Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Philippians 4.19, remember God's provision. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I love this one. Psalm 37.25, I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously. And his children become a blessing. He is ever lending generously. That's our God. Matthew 6, the secret, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. If God provides for all kinds of people, we should be willing to help all kinds of people. Did you know that? Not just people who are like us. If God provides for all kinds of people, we should do the same. I don't want a church full of me. Did you know that? That'd be the worst thing ever. Hundreds of Josh Thompsons, please no. What if the church was full of just you? What would get taken care of? 
Who would be loved on? Who would be welcomed? Who would be served? What would the worship look like? What would our walks with God look like? Lord, please never give me a church full of me's. Give me a church full of your people from every tribe, every nation, and give me a heart to each and every kind of person, for that is your heart. Amen? You know what heaven's going to look like? Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After this, I saw a vast crowd in heaven. How many? A great crowd that no one could count. From every nation, every tribe, and a people of every language standing in front of the throne of room of God before the Lamb worshiping. This is what heaven looks like. The gospel is for everyone. Those who are saved are those who faith their faith in Christ alone. But I'm telling you, church, the gospel is for everyone. And this is what I hope that we would allow our hearts to be worked on in this week. That when we look into the eyes of people, across from the, I don't know, the checkout person at Target, look at the person at the gas station, we look at the, our coworkers, we look at our neighbor across the street, would you just ask that simple question, Lord, is the gospel for them? Because if it is, maybe he's placed you there to share it with them, to love on them, to invite them to church in some way, to point them to God. Let our hearts grow in this way. Amen? Let's pray that God would work on us. Let's turn to him now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these stories. Lord, you went far beyond. You've left your nation, heaven, to come down and to be on mission on this earth and to save a people who were against you. You're a good king. You're an awesome God. And you have gone as far as to save us. Who are we that we would be saved? Who are we that we would be your children? We thank you that you've loved us. We thank you that you've served us. We thank you for your heart towards us. And we ask now, Lord, would you transform our hearts and minds to be more like you? to want to love and serve those in this city, to minister the gospel to as many as, we, as many as we possibly can, that we would believe and even pray that God would save those that we think are unsavable. And Father, I pray for everyone here today. Maybe there are some who are not close to you, feel far from you. I pray for them, Lord, that you would draw them close to you now. I pray, Lord, that you'd help them to see their sin in their life, that they would see it before you, and they would look to you in the work that you've done, Jesus. On the cross, you've died for their sins, that you've brought forth an opportunity for forgiveness of their sins. And I pray that they would believe on you with all of their heart, like this Canaanite woman did, that they would believe with you, in you with all of their hearts. And stop believing the ways of the world and turn to you with all their heart. They would believe in your death, burial, and resurrection. They would believe so much that they would repent. Stop living in those sinful ways and worshiping those other gods. And turn to you with all of their hearts. Pray you save them. Forgive them of their sin. Give them the gift of heaven. Help them to walk with you from this day forward. 
please, Lord, do what only you can. Have mercy on us, Lord. Son of David, have mercy on us. We lay our lives before you now. We pray that you would heal and provide like only you can. We give you our lives. We do it in Jesus' name. Amen.